Time now for the famous on Fox. Well, it happens every year. A contestant with a less than sparkling background makes it onto American Idol. And this year, it appears to be 24-year-old David Hernandez. According to a manager at a Phoenix strip club, Hernandez allegedly worked as a new dancer catering to mostly male clientele. You see my ass on Instagram, dick on OnlyFans, sliding my DMs like, David, what you doing? I've been doing me. Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles, my guest is a singer who is a top 12 finalist on season 7 of American Idol. Since then, he has gone on to a single that reached the top 100 of the Billboard dance charts and the track being streamed more than a quarter of a million times on Spotify alone. Along the way, he was invited to sing at the inaugural ball for President Barack Obama and has even done some acting, including a six-month residency in an off-Broadway comedy a year ago. He has showcased his powerful vocals on popular TV talk shows such as The Ellen Show, The Today Show, MTV's TRL, Access Hollywood, Extra, Entertainment Tonight, and many more. Most recently, he put out a seven-song release this past March, You've been hearing a song of his called Don't At Me. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, David Hernandez. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm so honored. Absolutely. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much for making time to do this today. I'm looking forward to it. Totally, totally. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get started with you sharing with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Don't At Me. And I want to clarify for the audience that it's the at symbol, which is pretty unique, very timely, of course, due to the rampant use on social media. <laughs> Go ahead, David. Let's hear your thoughts, your insights into that song. Yeah, so that song actually um, was based on my experience on American Idol, you know, back in 2008 when I was publicly shamed for not only being queer, but also for being a former stripper. Um, Perez Hilton broke that story and then Access Hollywood actually uh, basically hit up the strip club manager, paid them uh, $250 to air my dirty laundry, per se. Um, And so when I was writing that song, it wasn't from a place of bitterness or anything. It was just more of like, you know, this is, this is my past and I'm owning it and I take the power back. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with A, being queer and B, being a stripper. So I just wanted to kind of point out, you know, and the intro of that song is a clip from an actual clip from Fox News that I pulled off YouTube um, where they were, you know, they said I had a less than sparkling background, hmm. <laughs> which is funny because nowadays I feel like I probably would have won the show if I had that less than sparkling background. But um, it was you know, super autobiographical and it was the most that I've ever really spoken about that situation through music. Um, and it's just like a deeply personal song to me, but, um, but also very, very, uh, powerful as well. Well, and I really, my heart goes out to you because, you know, we do talk from time to time and shame on me, not enough 
about mental health and the impact mental health wise on performers. And yet here is you who is putting out this song in 2022. And it's something that occurred. And I think you said 2008. Mm -hmm. So you see the obvious impact that that had for 14 years to be able to draw upon and still say now, you know what, looking back, this is what that did. And so it's something that, you know, you're handling it in a great way, but I want to, I want to rally around this to call attention to everybody and say, this is how important mental health is nowadays, because you can still be writing a song about something that happened to you 14 years ago yeah. because it made a lasting impact. You know, and I think to piggyback on that, I think you're completely correct. And I think that people don't realize how powerful their words are, whether they are anonymous on a keyboard or whether it's in person, like words last. And, you know, just now, 14 years later, like you said, I'm still unpacking some of that trauma that I didn't even realize was trauma until I started writing that song and really just putting, you know, pen to paper. Um, I didn't I didn't realize it like that experience on American Idol was so amazing, but also traumatizing mm. because of I didn't you know, I was so green and like put in front of 35 million people a week. And, I, you know, I would read the comments, even though they tell you not to read the comments, I would <laughs> read them. And they were hurtful. Like, I, you know, I was told my nose is crooked, which I've always known my nose is crooked, but no one's ever really told me that. Mm. Uh, you know, and so like those little things I remember from being 24, like someone said my nose is crooked. Isn't that crazy? Like you just, you carry that with you. And unless you like really process it and unpack it through just life and therapy, um, I think it'll just always be that sort of like, you know, monkey on your back that you never get to shake off until you start to, you know, honor what truly happened to you. Yeah, and obviously, throughout the course of this interview, we would love to build more fans for David Hernandez. Obviously, there's going to be people listening who are already fans, but those of you who are just being introduced to him for the first time, this is an opportunity to get to know him more thoroughly through these lengthy interviews that I do each week. But I think what I'm getting at here is it's going to also educate people that when you do just get to know someone for the first time, whether you see them on a reality show, you hear them on a podcast, you see them perform at a local venue... If there's something critical that you have to say, maybe this interview will get you to think twice before you put your finger on that button, whether it's on your phone or whether it's on the keyboard of your laptop, because you're hearing that that really does as much as you're right, David, they'll say, don't read the comments. It it's just our human nature. We're going to look at, it's like, you know, looking at a car crash, like just drive on by, you know, and, and we still turn our necks anyways. And so, you know, maybe it will yeah. be one less negative comment that someone will post that you won't have to go and see. Totally. And, you know, being on the receiving end of a lot of that scrutiny, I, I would never comment on someone else's post anything negative. Like, I just, I don't, I don't even see the point in that. Like, get a life, you know, like, <laughs> but a lot of people just feel empowered when they can tear other people down, which is baffling to me. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's move on. I do want to congratulate you on the latest release from earlier this year. That song don't at me was actually the title track. It was referred to as an EP in what was sent to me, but gosh, seven songs. Wow. That's a really generous size EP. Good stuff. Go ahead and, and share all about <laughs> that project, who you worked with on it, where it was recorded, all the details. Yeah, totally. So I recorded that uh, in between Los Angeles and Las Vegas when I was doing my Naked Voice singing residency. Hmm. Um, a lot of that song I actually wrote while I was on the road because I get a lot of inspiration either in the shower or on the road. <laughs> That's weird. But uh, but yeah, so I wrote that um, within, I think it was like seven to ten days. We, we wrote 
I wrote, recorded it, and then I sent it off to my producer friend, uh, Push Kalan. Uh, he rapped on the Don't At Me, and then also my good friend Trent Park, who produced my upcoming music video. He produced about three tracks on on that EP as well. And um, an EP, by definition, is, I, I believe, is like three to six songs. And because of the intro, it didn't it didn't upload as an EP. It uploaded as an album, which I'm totally fine with as well. I mean, I guess <laughs> this is kind of a full album. It's a vibe. The whole thing's a vibe, but. Um, it was funny because I had, you know, I was in the thick of naked boy singing and a lot of, you know, we were doing five shows a week and uh, I talked to my producer push and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I can record and also do five shows a week and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, no, you got this. Like you have a lot to say, like you need to, you need to get out there, just push yourself. Mm. No pun intended. So I pushed myself, we recorded it and my, I recorded my home studio. Um, and then sent it to push to mix and master and, you know, the rest is, I guess, history. But looking back on it, it was such a huge endeavor. And I'm so, so proud of it. So am I understanding you in there? I think I heard you say you wrote it all in seven to 10 days, seven songs. Yeah, there was a couple wow. of inspirational moments that wow. I had like before. I definitely had like moments where I jotted things down in my like voice notes or my notepad and my phone and and then sort of just like resurrected those ideas when it came time to actually, you know, get in the studio and record it. But yeah, I mean, we we finished that project in less than it was less than 2 weeks hmm. and it was I mean, it was really once it started it was really really fast. Is it a case of where the momentum really helps? Totally. Once I'm on that role of just being creative, because sometimes like life just takes it out of you and you just don't have the wherewithal to like sit down and focus and, and say what you really wanted to say. I knew one thing about the CP is that I wanted to say the things that I had not said for 14 years, mm. all the things, whether it was mental health, whether it was shaming, whether it was, you know, being gay, just, I wanted to be very, um, I want it to be very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh my God. Uh, intentional poignant about the way that I, intentional poignant everything. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that like no word was just kind of thrown caution to the wind. I wanted everything to be, yeah, I meant to say that. And that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic yeah. because you know, in the songwriting community and in, in the recording world, they'll say, no, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. You can't do it that fast. Well, here's David Hernandez to say, I did it that fast and I've got a quality product. I've got seven tracks for you to go and listen to, to prove to you that it can be done like that. And, and I'm saying hats off to you because I think a lot of people, David, in your position would say, this is happening too fast and it's not supposed to go this way. And they would start second guessing themselves or they would back off the project. Maybe I should take a break. Maybe I should let it breathe. Now you start getting in your own head and you start revisiting those songs and all of a sudden you start tweaking them and now you are doing a disservice to exactly what you just said you set out to do well you know it's funny you say that because i'm getting back into acting class i'm also an actor and i started doing that when i was uh seven or eight years old musical theater was the first gig i ever booked and they always say when you're self-taping or you're in your audition, usually the first or second take is the one you go with. You could do like five to 10, mm. but they start to diminish in quality because the authenticity isn't there. And I think the same thing applies to songwriting and producing. I mean, there's always rewrites and stuff, right? Sure. But I think the initial idea is always the correct idea. And, you know, to add to what you're saying is like, sometimes you do need to take a pause and sometimes going that fast is not for everybody. And I'm the first person to say like, if you need rest, rest, like, but for some reason, when I, after I recorded Vices and then into Don't At Me, like 
I don't know, things just started kind of snowballing. And I was like, oh, and I have that to say too. And it didn't feel like work. It just felt like I want to get it all done before that spark sort of dims, mm. if, if you will. Like I want, I want to make, cause I have a lot to say and I was already kind of in the artistic mode doing five shows a week with naked boys. And so I would, you know, during the day, that's what I would do is I record and then I would get done. I'd get home and I'd hear it and be like, I want to redo that vocal. And that's uh, what I did for seven to 10 days in Las Vegas. I see. So, you know, yeah, it just kind of like snowballed and it was, it was, it was a cool thing. I, I can't say that I've had that sort of inspiration since I released it. <laughs> I think I, my body needed a break. <laughs> but I'm glad you made the point though, because yes, yeah, certainly while it can be done that way and it did, yes, there are times when you do have to say, all right, I think we need to just pause the project for a day, for a week, whatever it is. So I'm, I'm glad that you added that in there. Folks, if you didn't hear it, something really neat took place last week on NHTE. I was talking to guitarist Nick DePiro who plays in two different bands and does a ton of live songwriting and streaming on Twitch. And we started talking about gear and he ends up saying that he uses a Focusrite interface and he kind of laughed a bit because earlier in that episode, I was thanking Focusrite for sponsoring this podcast and I was talking all about their Scarlet range of audio interfaces. So cool, but I really shouldn't have been surprised given that, my gosh, countless people have a Scarlet in their recording setup. If you recall, I had even said at one point how when I went to the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama at the end of July, I saw a Scarlet being used in conjunction with the 20 and under singer songwriter competition that I was a judge for. I know that the Scarlet range of audio interfaces is such a top seller because of the fantastic pro studio quality sound you'll get without having to spend Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of dollars to go to a recording studio. And you also don't have to have an audio engineering degree to operate a Focusrite Scarlet audio interface. Find out more, including which unit in the Scarlet range is best for your recording needs, by starting at my show website, nhte.net, and tap or click on their ad for the Vocaster, the ad says, tell the world, which you will see in the right-hand column of nhte.net if you're on desktop, or scroll way down to see it on mobile, down where the social media logos are. Get your Focusrite Scarlet today and be on your way to top-quality audio. David, I always like to use the expression that I'm required by podcast law (laughs) to ask a guest who was on a reality TV competition show about that experience. But really, I've kind of shifted to more wanting to discuss the psychology that goes with the timing of coming out of, in your case, American Idol. It's a big difference if someone tried out and didn't make it or went to Hollywood but was in the first cut versus you making it all the way to top 12 finalist. Does that set the bar pretty high where you say to yourself, okay, here we go. I, I really need to make things happen now. Strike while the iron is hot. Because, th- you know, think of all the pressure that someone experiences on that journey to top 12. And all of a sudden it becomes, hey, your time on the show is done. But now you have to work just as hard, if not harder, to make sure you do something with how far you got. Well, you know, Michael Orland, who was the uh, one of the musical directors and vocal coaches on my season, always said that he was like, this feels like work right now, but the real work happens when you're when you're off the show. Mm. And I don't think I could have had a better setup for life than what he gave me, because I was like in, in a very at a very early space in the competition. He made me very aware of that. And so my hustle was always very focused on what happens when the show isn't coddling me and when I'm not 
you know, I don't have these handlers and I'm not being fed three, four times a day, and, mm. you know, in a beautiful hotel room and all that kind of stuff that you take for granted because you're on the show and you're just a baby. Like I was 24, which in my eyes is still like a baby. Um, and so then, you know, when that show ended, I knew very well, like what I had to do, but I love how you mentioned the psychology of it because I, I don't think anyone's prepared for that level of fame, success and scrutiny at such a rapid pace. Like, mm. you know, when you, when you deal with people like Beyonce, like she started off Destiny's Child and, the, you know, they had their trials and tribulations, but they, they got like a gradual rise to fame. When On American Idol, the cool thing about the show is that you could be a nobody from the middle of America and catapult it to this fame. But like, does your brain handle that? Can it process it? And if so, how does it process it? And I think everybody's different. You know, I was, I was at my best friend's album release party, Michaela Gordon, last night, and she was on season four of American Idol with Carrie Underwood. She was 16 when she did the show and wow. we've had conversations at length about it. Like the way that the comments hit her at 16 was devastating. Like you just, you're, you're not even like a fully functional adult at that point. You know, you're 16 years old and people are already saying X, Y, and Z about you. And it's, and it's hard. And I think that that just depends on the person. But even at 24 for me, like, hearing those comments and being outed when I wasn't even out to my whole family yet, like hmm. was just an invasion. And, and, you know, as, as amazing as that experience was, there is the other side of that blade, right. That's harmful and hurtful and stunts your growth in ways. So yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, being catapulted to that level of fame so quickly is definitely um, not for the faint of heart. And I, you know, th there's a lot of people that have had that, that have, you know, not survived it. And, my heart goes out to them and their families. Like it's, it's a, you know, entertainment and fame is a very tough industry. Indeed. Indeed. And I want to back up a bit here while we're talking about idol. And I mentioned this before that there are going to be people coming to this episode of now here, this entertainment because they are David Hernandez fans, but there's also my audience, people who are just being introduced to you for the first time, or, or maybe I should say hearing a lot of your story for the first time going into American idol, you had, what could be argued was a wee bit of an upper hand because prior to being on the show, you built up lots of experience. You were part of a singing group called Vinyl 4, performing on cruise ships, and you had performed with the Latin R&B bands Tribe 7 and Straight Up. How valuable were all those early performance experiences? Oh, my God, they were so valuable. I mean, just being in a quartet, Vinyl 4, for only six months, really, we were on a cruise ship, taught me so much about blending and how to not just be a solo vocalist. Like up until that point, I had always sang lead. And so this helped me learn how to blend with the group. So when we got on, when I got on American Idol, I was able to blend with my group during Hollywood uh. week. I was able to even, even moving forward to now, like literally just a year ago, I was, I, you know, during the pandemic, I learned to record myself and I didn't even realize like, how much information I've soaked up over the years that when I was laying all the background vocals on this EP, that's all me, by the way, like there's no higher background vocalist. Those are me stacking my vocals mm. and harmonies and coming up with those melodies. So that earlier, uh, you know, experience that I got from being in the acapella quartet and from singing with the bands and learning to pick out harmonies is invaluable. And it, it soaked in and my brain was able to retain all the information to the point where now I can, I can safely say, but I'm not just a soloist, but I can also sing background, which is a lot of fun for me too, because it takes the pressure off. You can find like harmonies with people and stuff. So yeah, to answer your question, I think, I think all of it is important. And I also had a record deal before American Idol that I was dropped from 
And that ended very terribly with me and the CEO. And that taught me also about heartbreak and mm. how to move past that. And that I can move past that. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, resilience in in my life that I didn't even realize until I recorded this EP too. Like, oh my God, David, like this has been a moment for you, <laughs> you know? And you didn't win the show and you still don't have a deal or a label or a manager right now, but you're still doing what you do. And I think that's the beauty of like social media and being an independent artist these days. So um, yeah, it's all, you know, everything that you go through in your life is, is meant to teach you and, and become the person you are today. Well, and I love all these different layers that you're showing us because I think someone's knee-jerk reaction would be, yeah, but he didn't have experience being on TV in front of a national audience. No, he didn't, but he did have other things that he was able to draw from that really, if you consider all the different things that go into being on American Idol and you say, well, at least I've sung with a group before, so I'm going to be able to blend with the others who maybe not have done that before. And I'm used to being a performer on stage. I'm not just someone that sings in the shower and everyone in the family says I'm good. You have all this experience and you were familiar with the business side of it from being in a record label deal. So this really is is great because it shows the foundation that has got you to where you are as the performer that you've become. I also want to pause for a second here because thinking way back to that time you just talked about, those three groups, Vinyl 4, Tribe 7, and Straight Up, were you already starting to envision this is what I'm going to do with my life, my career? Not what I want to do, but what I'm going to do. Because again, I think that there's a teaching moment here when it comes to the self-confidence one really needs to have to help get their entertainment career going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew at eight years old when I was doing my first musical that this was something I wanted to do. I didn't know if it necessarily would pay the bills. I wasn't still too aware of that at mm. that age. But as I started getting older and I went to college first, for I wanted to be a doctor first. And then I switched my major to broadcast journalism with emphasis in PR. And, and I did all that. And I, you know, for years and years, like I thought, okay, education, education, which I still think is important, obviously. And my grandmother was always like the first person in my ear, like, you should get a good paying job and something stable. And so that was always sort of uh, embedded, I guess, in mm -hmm. growing up in, in, in my psychology. But for some reason, it was always something pulling me towards the music route. So I dropped out of college. Mm. And I just started pursuing it full time. And within like a year and a half, I was signed to my first label with wow. Universal. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you know, you know, and, and it doesn't matter how you're going to get there, you just know you're going to get there. And and listen, like it has not been without tribulations and trials. And like, I've fallen flat on my face time and time, and I'm sure I will again, but there's just something about music and art that has really just a hold on me. And I think also realizing during the pandemic that I'm not just a singer, I'm an actor, I'm a host, I'm a songwriter, I'm all these other things really open up my, my mind to know and be confident and that I always have a career in entertainment, no matter what that looks like and how it changes, it'll always still be art centric. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, but that came with like a lot of like, again, like falling on my face and trials and tribulations and, and all that kind of stuff. So, but I, but I did always know when I was like eight years old, like this is, yeah, this is, this is for me. I remember watching Whitney Houston and the bodyguard and being like, I want to fly like that vocally. <laughs> and you know, that's, I started working on my belt and mm. 
my range and stuff like that. And I went through vocal training, like extensive vocal training to learn to control this beast. Um, and I can say with confidence now that I finally do have a really great control on my voice, but I'm also learning new things with it every, every day. Yeah. Because there's so many people that do that and they don't realize that you could do a lot of damage if you're just doing it because you think you can, as opposed to, no, I've been trained. I know I can do it this way. And I like that you pointed out in there, that list of different things, different hats, different roles that you are a songwriter because shame on me. I introduced you at the beginning of this interview as a singer and it's said that you count Stevie Wonder, Neo, Donny Hathaway, Alicia Keys, Luther Vandross, and Michael Jackson among your top musical influences. So I wonder, that list I just rattled off, still to this day, or has it changed with the times, and maybe now some of that has kind of fallen off and been replaced by the stylings of some other artists that you've gotten drawn to more recently? Well, those people will never be replaced, first of all. <laughs> they are, and, and all the people you listed uh, are all songwriters. And I, I really respect a singer-songwriter moment because I feel like it's such a special place and it's such a vulnerable place to allow the public into. And there's nothing more vulnerable than, like, putting your life in a song. Like, I mean, that's just wild to me that you can do that and have the bravery to do that. Um, I think that those people still ring true for me in terms of inspiration, but also I've, you know, I love Billie Eilish and I love like Megan Thee Stallion and I, like all these newer artists that are coming out, like they're fire and music has, has changed. And I think, you know, just like with humans and evolution in order to survive, you have to evolve. And so I think that that's part of, that's one thing with Don't At Me that I, you know, I'm kind of like speak rapping sort of moment and Don't At Me. And that was something I'd never tried before. And that was inspired by Beyonce when she released Flawless. And so like, I just, I try to be, you know, as an actor as well, like my job is to observe humanity and the way we react in culture and stuff like that. So I'm always constantly learning. Like even when I'm at the grocery store, I'm like watching, you know, the little old lady over here picking up the cilantro and how she does it so that maybe that'll inspire me when I'm playing a role where I'm, you know, older or whatever. Mm. Like I, I don't know. It's a weird thing for me, but I always just, I'm, I observe people because I think we're so different and, um, you know, I, I just, yeah, I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but I, <laughs> I just think that there's, there's inspiration everywhere if you look for it. Yeah, it's all good. I like it. I like it. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles by singer, songwriter David Hernandez. Visit his official website at officialdavidhernandez.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land there, you will see logos to click on to engage with David on social media, specifically Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Follow David on Spotify as well, but support him by purchasing downloads of his music. There is a lot in his catalog on iTunes, among other digital music retailers. Speaking of links, this was in my weekly e-newsletter one Wednesday last month, and it did social media posts about it too. But in case you didn't see any of that, go to my show website, nhte.net. And in the right-hand column on desktop or by scrolling way down on mobile, look for the block of social media icons and click or tap over to YouTube where you will see an unboxing video that I made for the replacement ear pads sent to me by Deconi Audio. If you are a gamer, a podcaster, a musician, Look, if you wear headphones, these folks have something I've just gotten so excited about. In the video, you will see me showing how the pleather was peeling off my headphones 
and voila, instead of having to get new headphones, I was able to just replace the ear pads. And oh, by the way, they became so much more comfortable, which is huge for when you're in long gaming sessions or recording sessions or editing sessions. Heck, I've even been wearing these now on airplanes to watch movies because they're comfortable and do such a great job of blocking out noise around me. I'm wearing them right now and they're exceptionally comfortable. Tap or click on the Deconi Audio logo on nhte.net to go see about replacement pads specific to the brand and model headphones you have, or just use the link that I have in the description of the unboxing video on YouTube. David, I was mentioning in there that you have a lot of music in your catalog, and impressively, there are four singles and a Christmas EP that you put out in 2020, as in, you know, the year when that little thing noticed the worldwide pandemic was going on. <laughs> Hats off to you for not letting it slow you down and still getting plenty of new music out. Talk about all that. Well, you know, I think the first like couple of months were really depressing. We didn't know that COVID was going to last as long. I mean, I think initially we thought it was going to last like 30 days. So I was like, okay, we'll be fine. Like my summer tour is still on. And, you know, but then one day, I think it was like two months in, I woke up and my booking agent had said that like all the dates were canceled hmm. and i was like well i cried like i was i just sobbed and i was like what am i gonna do and so then you know thank god there was you know the pandemic assistance and everything and and all that but i also was just kind of depressed at not being able to be creative and not be able to reach out and touch people so um i decided that i would just record and release and do music visuals and and my boyfriend and I, Derek, like he directed all of them and we just had such a great time. You know, we were, I remember being in Palm Springs shooting Boomerang, which was, I think the second song that I put out during the pandemic. And I had invited like a bunch of my friends for free. They all did it for free. They all drove out to Palm Springs and we just got around a pool in 120 degree weather and <laughs> shot a music video. I remember the camera equipment like failing at one point, everybody was irritable cause it was so hot. Mm. But, um, but like, what else were we going to do? Like we had been in quarantine, like life sucked <laughs> for a moment. Yeah. So the only outlet um, was, you know, I think art always saves you, I feel like. And so that, that did that for us. Yeah, because it sounds like you went through the natural sequence of emotions, which is confusion and then sadness and then rallying around it and saying, okay, let's make a positive out of this. And, you know, I am a songwriter and there's nothing saying I can't continue writing new music. So let's create, let's make some videos and let's make the best of a bad situation and give people some new music to listen to. Well, you know, and, and so that during the pandemic is when I learned how to record myself, which has proven to be so invaluable ah. for me. Like I can literally go into my home studio and record anything I want. I don't have to depend on anyone else. And that's such a, fire moment for me like uh, i'm independent even more like <laughs> to be like autonomous like that it's, it's like it is is the artist's dream because for so long like my entire career has been like okay well can i get squeezed in for this good studio time and mm. well i can't release anything until i'm like oh i need a manager and it's like no you don't need any of that everything that you need you have within you and i think that that is it was the pandemic as painful as it has been has taught me so much about just being independent like all of those records, we, we rec I recorded my home studio and then we shot them without permits. <laughs> like we would just guerrilla warfare it, like just go out there, like on Sunset Boulevard for my, my song, Sorry. Like we recorded that without a permit because like it was a ghost town. 
So that was a lot of fun. I like it. I like it. And also in 2020, you kept really busy by doing lots of Facebook live performances, quarantined and drinks with David. And you even went to the lengths of having a different promo, different artwork for each of those. Share with the audience about all that you did, which by the way, you continued into 2021. Yeah. Um, you know, I was really reluctant to do any live streams. I've never been a huge fan of like recording myself singing and all that kind of stuff. Like in terms of like raw, like unedited stuff, like I always want to be like, okay, well, let me, let me fine tune that. And so the quarantine, it, what started off as quarantine and then eventually went into drinks with David was raw and unfiltered. And it was, um, it was like a live rehearsal every single time. And mm. I got used to it in the beginning. I was, oh my God, like, what if I mess up here? And it's like, well, you're human. So let's remember that. And if you mess <laughs> up, you just go next song. But, you know, but I think we're so in this like perfection sort of culture that I had to let that go because I'm always going to make mistakes. Like I don't have perfect pitch. Sometimes I'm off key and that happens. And like, I don't know, like every single week that I did it, I wanted a new flyer. And it was funny because Michaela, who I just talked about earlier, my best friend, she came over to my house one day to be a featured guest on my live stream. And she came over an hour before and I was like, okay, well, I got to shower. I got to get ready. So I showered and I, I started getting ready. And she's like, wow, like you get ready for this as if there's like actual people in the mm. room. And I was like, yeah, because every single time that I feel like it's a big deal, other people see it as a big deal. And I actually feel like I'm stepping on stage. So I would do my hair. I would put on like a little bit of makeup. I put on like a nice shirt or a tank top with jewelry. I, I would spray cologne, even though I knew nobody could smell it, but I could smell it. Yeah. Right. So like, if you're in that moment, people are going to feel that from you. And so it, it, you know, it just became the norm for me to just show up every day for my online fans. And like, to this day, like the guy that created those graphics, Brady care, I've, known him for two and a half years i've never met him in person can you mm. believe that because we wow. met during the pandemic online <laughs> personal reference so i created like these really cool relationships with people overseas and different states and wherever that i've never met face to face but i feel like i know them i want to go back to something that you said in there and ask you to give out some advice because you said i'm not always on pitch and sometimes you know i'm Oops, it's a little off key. So should a performer, whether it's a live stream or they're performing at some venue in, you know, Detroit, Michigan, wherever, should they acknowledge that in the middle of it when the song is done or should they just ignore it as though it didn't happen? Because I see a lot of people who feel like they have to apologize for it and shine a bright light on it and tell the audience their mistake. And it's like, okay, could we just move on? Because like you've said, none of us are perfect. So, all right, maybe it's a, a little bit of a surprise to the audience that, ooh, that didn't, that didn't sound quite right. But I'm, I'm really yeah. hanging on your every word here because I'm dying to know what your advice is to the singers out there that are listening and you're describing that, yeah, this happens. Well, I think it's, you know, with the weekend canceling his show and stuff for vocal, um, he lost his voice. And I believe that Justin Bieber just canceled the rest of his touring for health and stuff like that. Like, I think the most important thing is to remember that we're all humans and we're all having the same experience. Like we're mortals and we're fragile. And, you know, to hold each other to this, level of perfection is so unrealistic uh, and it creates a lot of issues. I think it's, I think what I love about Jessie J is that she'll, I, I remember seeing her at the Roxy here on sunset and she hit a bum note and she, and she stopped the band and she's like, okay, let's try that again. 
Wow. And then she hit the note. Wow. And I How thought cool. that, that was really cool. Yeah. Like, I, you know, to, to acknowledge, like, I guess it depends on the level of mistake you make. But, you know, if I properly crack in front of an audience, I'll stop the song and be like, okay, we all know that David can hit that note. So let me try this again. Maybe my, you know, maybe my breath support wasn't right. Maybe I was in my head. Maybe I, who knows what it was. But I think it's so cool when people can like stop, acknowledge the mistake and then do it again to be like, okay, well, you know, that was a one-off. <laughs> Normally we hit that note. Um, but also it depends on the person. But I think more and more we're starting to see just with social media, like how transparent we can be with each other. And like, I think being vulnerable is like the key to connectivity. And I think when you can share with people like, Hey, I'm hurting today or like today I'm not well. Um, people find a lot of, uh, solace in that and a lot of bravery. Like that's brave to say that you're not today. Today is not the day for me, but I'm still going to show up and I'm going to do the best that I can. Um, and that's where, you know, I think fame is hard because, people put you on this pedestal and expect you to be superhuman. And the truth is, is that we're not like we're very normal and we have terrible days. Like my voice today is not where it should be. Like I definitely am not recording any videos of me singing today, but <laughs> I know that on a good day I can sing my damn face off. So we're, we're fine. <laughs> well, here's the other side of it. You and I are just meeting for the first time, but I can tell that you are just very genuine. You're very authentic. And so personality goes a long way because the way that you walked us through that exercise, it sounds very fun. So if you're in the audience and David stops and goes, okay, hold on a second. Like we all know David could hit that note. So I think we're going to do that again. <laughs> Everyone kind of like, yes, they have some compassion, but they're not ready to be highly critical of you. It's like, we're all in this together. So let's all do this again, including the audience. So I think personality will go a long way into making that a moment that nobody walks out of there still talking about, yeah, but what about in that one song though? Wow. What happened there? So I love the way that you describe that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I find, I find when you're honest and you're vulnerable with most audiences, people are like, they see themselves in you, mm. right? Like you, there's nothing about you that they can't relate to. Like you make mistakes and you know, sometimes I'll cry when I'm singing. Sometimes I'll laugh. Sometimes I'll, I'll miss a lyric, but like one thing you're never going to get from me is being fake when you come to see my show or when you meet me, you know, you're, you're always going to get like, Oh my God, I can totally like, I love it when people come up to me and they're like, Oh my God, I had the roughest year. And I'm like, how, tell me how, mm. what was your year like? Tell me. Cause most of the time you can relate. Uh, my boyfriend left me. Great. I can relate to a breakup, you know, like, all these things are just, I mean, music and, and art is meant to connect people, not separate them. So I think sometimes our society gets a little twisted and thinks that for some reason their idols are supposed to be perfect. Like, that's, no, you're supposed to see yourself in these people. Well, or the person that's standing in David Hernandez's shoes says, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Hey, thanks for coming to the show. Good to see you. Next. And you go, wait a second here. Hold on. Well, where's the connection? Where's the, where's the care? Where's the, the being genuine with someone who is a fan that is not going to be a fan after that? I do want to talk about performing live in person, not on Facebook. I'm not even going to read off, my gosh, all the cities and states in the U.S., but internationally, too. How different was it taking the stage in places like Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Mexico? Share with us about those shows in particular. Um, Abu Dhabi and Qatar, they were like USO tourists. So it was me and my band, and we'd go perform for the troops. And that was just such a humbling experience. It's so different. 
than anything else because, you know, a lot of these people have been away from their families for <clears throat> months, if not years. Mm. And so to bring them like a piece of home, you know, like we would, we curated the set list to be very American and like, we did like, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, God Bless the USA. And like, just to see their faces and some people were crying because they mm. missed their kids and like, find them what it felt like to be back on the mainland. And like, you know, it, so it was, um, it was really cool. And to see like those fighter jets and to be able to sit in them and stand on top of them. And, um, you know, we ate in the same food mess as the rest of the soldiers and, and troops and everything. Like we, mm. we shared the same cafeteria and, you know, it's it's like we're we're all the same, but yet like some, you know, we, we know we're entertainers, but sitting in that food mess, like we're all the same. Like yeah. we're, you know, it's it's a it's a very humbling experience, and I mean that like wholeheartedly. Like it just feels like at the end of the day, without all of these like, you know, Photoshop photos and like nice clothing and mm. cool microphone and you know, like we're all just people, like. And it's wild to think that like these people are the ones protecting our freedom. The, the things we take advantage of, they're, I'm sitting in front of them right now. And it's like, thank you so much for everything. Because yeah. <laughs> I definitely yeah. wouldn't want to stand on the front line. <laughs> um, you know, it was really cool. So, and, and, and to answer your question, like those performances are very different than like me doing my own show in like Hollywood at the Viper Room because, you know, it feels like it means something different, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I've yeah. got to plead ignorant on this one. Yes, in my research, I saw that you had lots and lots of bookings last year in Las Vegas for a show called Naked Boy Singing, which you referred to a couple times so far. Yeah. But I'm going to admit that I don't know what that is. So what can you tell us? What What is that production? What is Naked Boy Singing? Yeah, no worries. Naked Boy Singing is a um, has been around for about 20 plus years. It's an off-Broadway musical comedy. Um, that started off basically as sort of like a charity. Um, uh, but then it kind of spiraled into just the last 20 years of just different productions and different people owning the rights to it. But um, mm. I was approached by Tom D'Angora through my friend Jay Rodriguez um, to do this show and to be one of the leads in it. Um, we're all leads in it, really, but to be one of like the celebrity names in it. And at that point during the pandemic, I had worked out so much and I got really confident with my body. So I was like, well, I guess I can be fully naked on stage. I mean, let's try. Let's give it a <laughs> let's give it a go. I'm already this vulnerable, so let's you know up the ante a little bit. And I did it, and it, I remember the first rehearsal being a little bit awkward because um, we all five of us are completely naked on stage. But you forget that we're naked because the storyline and like the comedic delivery is so amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it was interesting and also full circle for me because I was shamed for being a stripper and for being gay, and now I'm gay and I'm stripping and I'm getting paid to do it in 2022, 14 years later. So it was kind of a cool, it just made sense for me. So what is ahead for yeah. the rest of 2022? And for that matter, is there any groundwork already being laid for anything in 2023? Oh my God, there's so much right now. <laughs> um, I'll just kind of, I can't talk about it too much, but there's definitely a deluxe album coming out. There's a docu-series and I'm working on a podcast that is centered around mental health and specifically men's mental health, because I still think that there is a huge stigma with men and being vulnerable and expressing, you know, all these things, mental health related. Um, and we're going to have like a mental health professional that's on the podcast that can give like actual advice based on the profession for people struggling with X, Y, and Z. And 
so I'm excited. You know, we're, we're that's in the works. We're gonna have some great special guests, and yeah, I mean, I mean, like I told you earlier in the interview, like I'm more than just a singer. There's songwriting, there's the acting, there's the hosting, you know, and all that. And I I, I intend on exploring all that um, in the next year. And I think you said there's a new music video on the way. Is that correct? There is, and I, I we shot it three months ago. It's already finished, and I I look at it like every other day. Cause I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But I just I'm holding on to it because I just feel like I'm just trying to listen to myself right now and not be impulsive and not just release things to release them. I want them to have intention. And so this music video um, is actually for the last song of the album called "When It Rains It Pours," and it's very much about mental health. Um, and it's such a personal video. So I have it. I'm holding on to it. I don't know when it's going to come out but it'll be out soon. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And we're going to close today with another one of David's original songs, one called Miss You. Before I let you go and I play that track, David, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. Absolutely. So Miss You is actually my favorite song off the EP right now. I recorded this song and when I was writing it, I was thinking about my grandma, but I also was thinking about like past relationships where like, I don't really talk to these exes anymore, but I do like, I do miss the good moments we had. And I miss like that sort of um, newness that was a relationship when it first started. It didn't work out the way it should have, but miss you was like an homage to like anything that feels nostalgic to you that like you still hold on to those moments, right? They were real. And even though they're gone now, like you still have that for the rest of your life. I remember one of my ex-boyfriends and I, we went to Coronado Island this was like our, I don't know, our first trip together, went to Coronado Island. And then shortly after we broke up, but I remember him telling me on the phone, like, listen, like we didn't work out. It's fine. But like, I love you. And we'll always have Coronado Island. Mm. And I was like, Oh my God, that I love that. It's such a metaphor for life because some things don't last, but we always have them. Mm. And so miss you for me was like, was that it was that nostalgia like and i'll always have my grandmother in my heart even though she's gone i'll always have that ex-boyfriend in coronado island i'll always have me and my current boyfriend we had that one date at this wine bar down the street that closed but like we still have that like it can be as small or as big as you want it to be but miss you is basically just nostalgia and you know emotion Awesome. Awesome. Well, David, so many good things coming up for you. We'll be excited to continue to follow you and watch with all of them. But for now, thank you so much. It was great having you as a guest on Now Here's This Entertainment. I appreciate you making time. Thank you so much. The honor is all mine. I appreciate you. You bet. You bet. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks, watch this, to singer, songwriter, actor. See how we graduated throughout the course of the conversation? He's not just a singer. (laughs) Do visit his website at officialdavidhernandez.com. As I mentioned earlier, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Engage with David on social media. There are logos on officialdavidhernandez.com to make it easy to find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all of which I followed him on last night, and I know he would appreciate you doing the same. We did not talk about his YouTube channel, unfortunately, which, oh, by the way, has approximately 310,000 combined video views. Do get yourself on there and subscribe, and of course, watch and like the videos that he has posted. For that matter, tell David that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that while you can and should follow him on Spotify, the better way to support David is to purchase downloads of his music from the likes of iTunes and other online digital retailers. 
Remember that in addition to getting at the link to David's website, I have a great reason for you to punch up my show website, nhte.net. Not only can you listen to this show there or find links to other platforms to hear it on or find my social media links, but there is a box to put your email address in to get the weekly e-newsletter that I send each Wednesday. Do that so you get information about the latest podcast episode as well as other goings-on. I mentioned on last week's episode that I had just been at an event in Dallas where I was able to put a face to a name, and all I could think of was, oh, that's the person who bombards me with emails all the time. Trust me, folks, I will only send to you once a week. That's going to do it for episode 448. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song by David Hernandez. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Miss You. I miss you, miss you, miss you, miss you. I held your hand on the boulevard. Then we ditched our friends. I walked you back to your apartment. And then I kissed your lips. We were so young then. Had no regrets. And we'll never be apart